0: Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, Ephesians chapter 6. We'll spend a few minutes in the Word of God tonight, Ephesians chapter 6, the weapons of our warfare. And of course, we know that passage of Scripture, don't we? The the weapons of our warfare and the armor of God. But I just want to focus on one or two things tonight and uh, bring out some points that I think would help us. The weapons of our warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Why don't we read verse 1 real quick for the kids down here in the front row. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. You like that verse, guys? No. Okay. Ephesians chapter 6. My eye just caught it. I thought, oh boy, Timmy Toby sitting right in the front row. What a great time uh, to, to use that verse. Look at verse 10 with me tonight. Look at verse 10. Praying always always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, and we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've praised you the time that we've prayed, and now we ask for your blessing in the preaching. So Father, I pray that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit and use this time in your word tonight to help us, to grow us, to make us more like Christ, to make us more ready to go out and take on the world tomorrow because we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We also know that... Satan often uses men to accomplish his purpose. And so we go off into a wicked world. Evil men shall wax worse and worse. And the prince of darkness is behind it all. So I pray that you'd help us to have on our armor. Help us be prepared for every battle. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul often used illustrations regarding soldiers of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he uses those very phrases, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Often we see these illustrations throughout the scriptures because honestly, it just makes perfect sense. They were living in a day of Roman oppression and everywhere somebody turned, they would see another soldier. They'd be in the marketplace. They'd be in the town square. They'd be riding through towns on horses in the streets. They'd be collecting taxes and taking them back to Rome. And on and on it would go. The impression had no ends to it. As And, and as Paul moved closer to Rome, he'd only see it increase. The persecution of the saints. And we know that later on, the, the wicked rulers of Rome would would. Destroy the the Christians and and by throwing them to lions or burning them alive at stakes and such. And so there was a great persecution taking place. And Paul knew that everywhere somebody went, they would know what a soldier might look like. And so he says, you need to have on a spiritual armor. And he goes through that spiritual armor beginning in verse fourteen. He says, stand therefore, having your loins skirted about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. It's interesting, as we look at those articles of armor, if you would, tonight, that they're all defensive. They're all to protect different parts of the body. There's nothing offensive about any of them. You don't fight with with your loins girt about and you don't fight with a breastplate of righteousness. They're there simply to protect the soldier of the cross. But then we come to this last one in verse 17. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We do have a weapon and it is the word of God. And I want you to direct your attention to verse 18 tonight as well, because I want to I make this premise, and I want to prove it from Scripture tonight, that verse 17 and verse 18 are inseparable. Praying always. Praying always. In other words, it takes a spiritual man to know how to use a spiritual weapon in this battle for the Lord. When we think about the different battles of scripture, we are told that we are to earnestly contend for the faith. We are to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And on and on, we could go throughout the scriptures and we could find the example of soldiers and battles that they face, but the same thing is true about every soldier. He needs a weapon. And the weapon of our warfare is the sword of the spirit, the word of God, but it cannot be separated from prayer and so notice tonight verse 18 we'll read it through praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints you know when i think of a good soldier i think of uriah the hittite You might remember Uriah the Hittite as the husband of Bathsheba who David took in an adulterous affair. And by trying to cover up his affair, he would call Uriah home and, and hope that he would send Uriah home for the night so that he could cover up this illegitimate, illegitimate pregnancy. But Uriah was a faithful soldier. He says, how can I go home and when the ark of God dwells in tents and the soldiers of the Lord's army are are living in the fields, and how could I uh, disobey and go home? And so he stood on guard and slept outside the king's palace at his gate. There's something to be said about Uriah's loyalty, and as we look to him as an example of a soldier, we see his loyalty and commitment. We see the, the, the proper armor, he had the protection, but he had the right weapons, but most importantly, he had the right character and integrity. That's the most important thing when it comes to a faithful and loyal soldier. And so tonight, let's direct our attention back to Ephesians chapter 6, and let's put that, those thoughts in our minds tonight. The scriptures are telling us, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Listen to this. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. He said, What are those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God? It is called spiritual wickedness in high places in Ephesians 6. There's a world today that would exalt itself. That's what, isn't that what Satan did? He exalted himself. He thought he was like God. The Bible says that the sword of the Spirit can conquer that attitude in our lives. And so let's look, first of all, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. We think about Uriah the Hittite and the example that he gives us of as a good soldier, one of character and integrity. But I see in the scriptures tonight that man that is of character and integrity is a spiritual man, a man of prayer that knows how to use the sword of the Spirit. Look at, first of all, the power of the sword. The power of the sword. When we consider the armor tonight, it is the only weapon that is provided. In Second Peter chapter one, it says, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He said, Why do we only have a sword? Here's why. Because it is sufficient. It is enough. Peter says, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, God has equipped you with everything you need to be successful in every battle. Isn't that good news? And the most important thing we have is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and the marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When Jesus was approached in the garden, he said, you remember those soldiers that came in? I love that. Four Quaternions of soldiers came and they're seeking Jesus. And Jesus says, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And they all fell to the ground. The very word of God went forth out of the mouth of Christ and he knocked them right to the ground. The Bible says, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns uh, in glory, the Bible says for that final battle that thousands of his saints will return with him. We'll all be on horses. And you say, What will we be doing? watching? Because the sword of the word of God will go out of his mouth and slay the nations that stand against him. The blood will flow right up to the bridles of those horses by the simple word of God. Oh, friends, this word of God is sufficient. I was thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ while he was in the wilderness, being tempted of the devil for 40 days. You know, sometimes we read that passage and we think that he was only tempted three times. You read it again. It says he was tempted for 40 days. 40 days. We get to read three illustrations of him being tempted. But he was tempted over and over and over and over again. You say, how, did he, how many of you think the Lord prayed out there? Bible says he was fasting and praying. That's what he was doing. And then when Satan came along, he defeated him simply with the word of God. You know, sometimes we feel like, well, we just can't have the victory over somebody as powerful as Satan. You can through prayer. And you can through the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus defeated the very temptation of Satan simply by the sword of the word of God, the power of the sword. But I want you to notice the empowerment of the sword. Look back at Ephesians 6.18. This is so important. Do not separate these two. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and then we have a colon. The sentence is not finished. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. I'm going to just take a moment. I'm going to tell a Jeff Roberts joke. <laughs> he loves his jokes. The story' is told about a hunter that he's standing there and he, he has a, a bear in his sights, And he pulls that gun up to his shoulder, and he begins to click, click, and nothing. He forgot to load that gun. And so he started praying. As that bear starts charging at him, he begins to pray, and he says, Lord, protect me from this bear. I'm so foolish I forgot to bring my weapon or have it loaded. And he began to pray. Just then, that bear dropped on his knees and he thought, Oh, wonderful, a Christian prayer. And that bear began to pray as well. And he says, Lord, thank you for this meal that you brought my way. <laughs> prayer didn't help that fella because he didn't have the weapon. Sometimes we face off against Satan and we get all scared and we forget that we got a sword, but it's empowered by prayer. The two are inseparable. So we pray always, by the way, always. That's not the first time the scripture says something like that. It says pray without ceasing. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, it empowers the uh, the sword of the word of God. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 7. I want to look at the other side of this. Mark chapter 7. Do you know that though we can pray and we can enable the sword and we can empower the sword, we can also disable it? just like that hunter that had a gun with no bullets. Look what it says in Mark chapter seven and verse five, if you will. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not the disciples according to the tradition of the elders and eat bread with the unwashed hands? And so the Pharisees, boy, they always had questions, didn't they? And their questions were never to the point of learning. Sometimes people ask questions because they genuinely want to know. They want to learn. Their questions were always accusations. Why don't the disciples behave like they ought to? Why are they eating with unwashed hands? Why don't they follow the traditions of the Father? And when they, uh, in verse 6, he answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, full well you reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said... Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited, by me he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition." which ye have delivered, and many such things like things do ye. Notice that phrase in verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. You say, what does that mean? It means that when our own thoughts and our own feelings about the scripture and our own traditions become more important than the word of God, you've made the word of God of none effect. About every month I get a an email from somebody locally for the local ministerial. And they want all the ministers and the pastors or whoever to get together and maybe have a lunch. Sometimes it's a prayer request, whatever it might be. And they say, This month we're meeting at this church. And at Christmas time I got one and it says, Whatever your faith tradition is, I hate that. We don't have a tradition, we have the Word of God. We follow the word of God. It is our rule for faith and practice. When tradition gets in the way, now we have some traditions, don't we? We do. We have some traditions. Your family has some traditions. Traditions are not bad things necessarily, but when they are overshadowing the word of God or become more important to you than the word of God, then we're in trouble. We make the word of God of none Effect. Listen, we need to start obeying what the scripture says and not what we believe we think it says. Well, here's what I believe about God or here's what I think about that scripture. No, friends, what does it say? And then believe it and obey it. And so we can make the word of God of none effect. I'm talking about the empowerment of the sword. How do we empower that sword? Well, you can make it of a none effect, but you can empower the sword through prayer. You know, I, I've heard many times people say, well, I believe we're living in the last days. Yeah, I believe that too. As a matter of fact, it, it said that Joel prophesied of the last days, and Peter said this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. He said that in the last days, this would all happen. So since Acts chapter 2, we've been living in the last days. That's according to the Scriptures. Now, I don't know if we're right at the end of that time or not, but I'm, we're in the last days, and praise God for But do you know what the last days is characterized by? The spirit of Antichrist. Evil men shall wax worse and worse. Seducers will come and they'll carry captive silly women. The Bible says there's all kinds of danger. We are living in perilous times. And so we must have a sword. We must have the word of God. Satan sought to to make God's word of none effect when he said in the garden of Eden, Yea, hath God said. The Bible says that in this day and age in the last days, from the time of Adam and Eve until these last days, that men will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We will reject the very word of God for the traditions of men. What a dangerous day we live in. Oh, may we be people of the book that we may have a sword to carry into this spiritual battle. Since that time, the twisting of scripture, the traditions of men, and the indifference of the heart have made God's word of none effect. Universities have made it nothing more than a textbook. Writers have made it nothing more than a piece of literature. Critics have made it their fodder for criticism. Theologians have made it the object of their criticism. And because of it, they have no power. But look at verse 18. In our text tonight, praying always with all prayer, and supplication. Think about that. When you take that sword and you go into the throne room, you come out with power. The power of the sword of the word of God. Notice tonight, the word of God is powerful, but rendered of none effect when it is held in the hands of a carnal man. But when we pray, it becomes a spiritual weapon and is only carried by a spiritual soldier. Listen, when we learn how to pray, Over the word of God. It unlocks its potential. It unveils its promises. And it uncovers its power. That's the sword of the word of God. But I want you to notice the perseverance of the sword in verse 18. The perseverance of the sword. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance. And supplication for all the saints. Notice the conditions that we see here. Number one. Praying how? Always. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? Always. Pretty tricky stuff. Always be in an attitude of prayer, always be in a state of prayer. But it also means dependence. Notice what he says praying with always with all prayer. That seems like a strange phrase, doesn't it? Praying always with all prayer. Well, how else would you pray? No, we need to understand the words. The word praying here means to have a dependence upon God. It means to be begging or asking. And with all prayer means we are seeking God. There's a lot of people who pray. They don't pray to God. He's saying when you pray, when you're begging, when you're seeking, you need to cast all your cares on him. You need to come to him. You need to come to the throne room. So many people just pray to a sky. They just pray to some unknown God. But we need to pray to God. And the Bible says, "In supplication, which is a humble pleading with God regarding our needs. How many of you noticed that in your life, your prayers get more fervent when you have needs? You ever notice that? I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily. I think when we have a need, we need to learn how to cast our cares upon him. We need to go boldly. But would to God that we could pray like that all the time that we could come to the Lord and pray with that weeping and that, 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 uh, that brokenheartedness, that contrite heart that God wants to see in us when we pray. So he says, praying with all prayer and supplication, a humble pleading with God about our needs. And then he says, in the spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The book of Jude reminds us that we are to pray In the Holy Ghost. Paul says here to pray in the spirit. What does that mean? I believe it means what Romans chapter eight tells us, that the spirit, for we know not how we ought to pray, but the spirit searcheth our hearts and makes utterance on our behalf. Isn't that better praying than you can do? God searched your heart and he knows what's going on and therefore he can pray on your behalf with utterances that we don't even understand as he speaks to the Father on our behalf. There's a great high priest, by the way, his name is Christ Jesus. And he ever is making intercession for us. And the Holy Spirit is seeking our hearts and he is praying for us. And God the Father is sitting and waiting and listening to our prayers and we are to pray for us. But we are to pray, the Bible says also, with watchfulness, with all perseverance, And supplication for all saints, watching thereunto with all perseverance. What does watch? It means to be sleepless and alert. Do you know that it was punishable by death if a soldier were to fall asleep on his watch? He's to be watching with his sword in hand and ready. Have you ever seen those fellows over at Buckingham Palace? Maybe I don't mean in person, but on the news. They try to they try to get those guys to blink. Sometimes they don't even blink. I just saw one recently. And I shouldn't have laughed at this. I'm just going to tell you I got a carnal side once in a while. But this guy, he was getting in his face, and he was yelling at him, and he was screaming at him. And I mean, this guy, you know, some people go by, and they'll make a funny face, and they'll try to get him to giggle or something. This guy went above and beyond. And he got right in his face, and that old soldier with his bobby on, he just whacked him, and I mean knocked him right to the ground, and then he stood right back up like nothing happened. (laughs) I laughed. I, I know that's carnal. I know. But a soldier cannot rest. He must always watch. He must always watch. Ezekiel talks about the watchman. He says, If the enemy comes on your watch and you not warn everybody else, their blood is upon your head. We are to watch with our sword ready. And when we pray, what are we doing? We are watching. With all perseverance, with all supplication, we are watching. And notice what happens. First of all, he uses these words, perseverance. Perseverance is a personal victory. A personal victory. Isn't that what you want? When you face off against Satan, don't you want to win the battle? I remember years ago, we took some young people camping. This is, I mean, 25 years ago. Uh, Brother Wood, we used to buy our campfire wood off you down in Dunville. We'd stop at the corner and we get, we didn't, we tried to buy it. Brother Wood always gave it to us. He'd never let us buy it. We'd take those kids camping. We'd pick up campfire wood and uh, we'd go to Bing Island there. And I remember one time, one of our counselors was there and in the middle of the night, she packed up her car and she went home weeping. And I said, I said to my wife, it was I said, What's going on? Well, she had a battle with this young person and and I said, Listen, I said, When we have a battle with the young person, it ought not be the counselors going home. Amen there There are certain battles we have to win, and <laughs> there there was a I, and i'm not talking about a, a beat down type of thing I'm just saying that this young man was wrong and he was obstinate and he was rude and he was in vile and and, and it, it hurt her so much that she went home no the, the, there's some battles we must win, and listen when we stand off against Satan, we have to win your children's lives depend upon it. How many of you feel like at times we're losing the battle in Canada spiritually. It just feels like our nation just wants to go to hell. They need some people of God to pray, to pick up their swords Amen. and to battle. Amen. He says, when you have the sword of the spirit and you pray with all prayer and supplication and you're in the spirit and watching there unto with all perseverance, that means victory. You can persevere. But then notice the second thing. The second victory that comes, he says, perseverance and supplication for all saints. You're praying for others as well. You're taking up the battle for other people. I'm so thankful that we can come down to an altar tonight and we can take up the battle for some others, some others who are struggling with their health and some others who who may not even have the strength at times to to get down on their knees and pray at an old-fashioned altar but we can pray for them. The Bible says the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And so we pray for all saints. But then look what it does in verse 19 and 20. Paul said, I also need to take up arms and pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Listen, the true victory is when lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I need you to pray, have your sword in hand, and I need you to be watching on watch for me as you pray with all prayer and supplication that I may go out and speak the gospel boldly that people might be saved. I mentioned this morning that we, perhaps we'd see more folks saved, truly born again if we were spirit-filled. And friend, it's no different than this scripture here tonight. In order to handle this spiritual weapon, we must be a spiritual people. You cannot separate the sword of the Lord from the time of prayer that we have each and every day. Oh, the God that we would win some more battles. I, I don't know about you, but every time I turn on the news, I'm tired of seeing Satan win another battle. It's so, it's so ridiculous. Uh, I, I saw somebody the other day, I was watching the news and they were talking about a, a, a vaccine for a, a, a disease uh, for females, for ladies, and they did gymnastics, mental gymnastics, and bent over backwards to do everything not to say the word "women." Because, you know, a man might have those problems too. No, they can 't. it 's just so ridiculous what our world has become. That is Satan. You say, "How do you know that, Satan? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Every battle we face is a spiritual one and we need a sword and we need to be empowered by prayer. Would to God that we could win some battles. Father, help us tonight, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Move upon us, Lord, we pray, that we might take up the sword, the word of God. But Lord, may we never lay aside the idea that we must empower it by prayer. That a spiritual man must use the spiritual weapon. Because otherwise it's made of none effect. Lord, I've been in churches or I've heard messages where they have not the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not even professing saved people. If you were to ask them what salvation is, they have no idea. And there's no power in their message. Those churches are marrying homosexuals. And those so-called churches are bowing to the culture and the woke agenda. Oh God, I pray that we'd get back to a fundamental Christianity that relies upon the word of God. That helps us to earnestly contend for the faith. Oh God, we're so willing to contend for every other thing. We, We want to march and stand for our rights when God says contend for the faith. Oh God, may we stand on guard for thee. Help us, Lord, we pray. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open even now. There's some people in this church that need you to go to battle for them on your knees. Would you be a soldier of Christ? You say, well, I'm so glad that we're part of a church where that stuff doesn't really affect us. Oh, friend, I'm here to tell you We've got, we've got teenagers right now struggling with their gender identity. We do. We've had some that we know, children of folks in our church that have taken hormone therapy. They've had surgeries. I'm not mad about it. It breaks my heart. They need you to take up a sword, the word of God.